All right, I got a good message for us today. I think it's an important message. We live in such a crazy world. I love what Pastor Stephen said last week, and it's changing my perspective. It's, it's tweaking it. You know, you can look around at the world we live in, and it's crazy. You know, people are confused. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. You know, you, you can see, you know, there's scriptures that talk about it being dark. But Pastor Stephen brought out what Jesus said. How many think it's good to know what Jesus said? He said, you know, don't freak out, guys. Look out there and see that the fields are white. Those people that are confused, they're looking for Jesus. Don't run from people you don't understand. Go to them. They need what you've got. They need what you've got. I'm so glad that, you know, when I was a young, confused lad, that God put people in my path, you know, that weren't afraid of me, that, that actually showed me love. You know, when you reach out to people that are hurting, that doesn't mean that you've got to enter into their... Understand what I'm saying here. You don't need to become what they are. Okay? You know what I mean? You be who you are. You be a person full of God, full of light, full of life. That's what they need. They don't need you to fall. They don't need you to stumble. They don't need you to do what they're doing. I'll tell you, they need you to be you. I, I, that's one of the most liberating things God, I think, has told me, or one of them anyway, is when we were going to start this church, and I was, you know, I broke that news to Dana. You've heard me tell this story. If you've been here a few years, you've heard me tell that story. But, I mean, Dana wasn't so sure that she was like, when, when God first told me that we were going to come here and start a church, he didn't tell me where I was going. He, I, I didn't know I was going to Canada or, you know, Arizona or where. Anyway, but, but you know, uh, he just put it in my heart. You know how God is? He's, isn't he funny sometimes? He just gives you a little glimpse. And, you know, it doesn't always come to pass the next day. You know, sometimes it takes days, weeks, months, even years before the fruition of what God's spoken into your heart, but you don't let go of the things God said to you. And when he first told me that I was going to leave the place we were at, the, the church that we were at, that we'd been at, you know, at that time for eight years, we ended up being there, I think, 12 years. And, and uh, go back and listen to the tapes. I've got it in there somewhere. But, uh, you know, I rebelled against it. I said, no, I like it here. You know, we've grown with this church. We grew from 25 people to hundreds of people. And, and you know, I felt like, wow, you call me to go? And, you know, it took a while. I just meditated on it. About a year went by. I didn't tell a single person. Then I finally told Dana, and she rebuked me. She had the same response I did. But then, you know, after I let it sit with Dana for about a month, I asked her again. I said, hey, you know that thing? And she says, yeah, I know that thing. God's been talking to me about it, too. <laughs> and what I said, what God told me, he says, you know, we just need to be who we are. We don't need to go there and be somebody else. And I'd say that to you. Be who you are. Let God shape and mold the person that you are, okay? Because the world needs you. The world need, they don't need another me. They don't need, well, maybe they need another Pastor Stephen. I don't know. Nope, nope. See, we can be different. And God can use us in unique ways, you know, that it might be hard to use somebody else. 
I remember hearing Catherine Kuhlman say that God had asked several people before her to take on the ministry that she had. So, I mean, God, God doesn't, isn't, the job is going to get done somehow, through some way, through someone. But I'm telling you what, he's calling you to be you. Calling me, I'm glad he didn't call me to be Catherine Kuhlman. Woohoo! <laughs> Go on YouTube. Actually, yeah, I, I respect her, man. I remember reading her life story when I first got born again. I used to read all everybody's biography, all these Christian, you know, greats that we look back on. I read them all. I just, just couldn't get enough of them. She was amazing. God just used her in incredible ways, incredible ways. And, you know, if you see something on YouTube, you know there's a lot of things that God does that aren't really designed for YouTube. I may not get to the message today, but who knows. I remember, I remember back in the 90s. Do you want to hear this anyway? I remember back in the 90s, um, Kenneth Hagen was going to do a seminar, and this was like groundbreaking. He was going to put it up on satellite. And so as a church, you know, we were in this church in Minneapolis. We decided we're going to buy a satellite. We bought this big honking satellite, you know, that was 20 feet. I don't know how big it was really, but it was big. And, you know, there was a guy in... in uh, Minnesota and Minneapolis area that ran a satellite company, you know, he sold those dishes. And so he was really, you know, we worked with him really closely and we got this in and we were, we advertised that, that uh, we we're going to be broadcasting this crusade, you know, and, and uh, you know, letting people know. And, and um, the night, actually the night it started, we had a guest minister in church. We had this guy named Dennis Burke and he was at church and he's great. And, and uh, but I was back in the sound booth because I was trying to pull in this seminar to make sure our satellite worked. And, you know, again, this is like in the 90s and, and early 90s probably. And, and this is all like new technology stuff to me for sure. And for sure, that sounded so Wisconsin. <laughs> How long have I lived here now? 20, anyway. So anyway, we're, we're tuning it in in the thing and, you know, not making any noise because we got a dynamic speaker up there preaching and, and uh, I couldn't find it. So I went back and I got on the phone with Mr. Ofter from Ofterworld and, and you know, he, he knew us already because we'd bugged him enough and he's, he's at home watching basketball on his, his own satellite TV. And I said, man, I'm just not having any success and we've, we've advertised this. People are going to come out to see us tomorrow night and we've got to make sure we can get it and he uh, he um, he does some tinkering on his set and, and he, he pulls it in and he says I don't know if is it some old guy walking around on the stage going ha ha and laughing and stuff like that I said that's it that's it that's what we're looking for and he just shook his head like oh, I'm sure I could hear it over the phone but he gave us the coordinates and we found it but I was thinking about it, and that's why I said this, is that some things just weren't meant for the, the internet. There's some things I'd think strange if I hadn't been there. But because I was there, and because God was there, I knew it was God. I think I just went on that because I was talking about Catherine Kuhlman, and I've watched her. But I know enough about her to still respect, you know, even if I don't understand everything she was doing. I know God moved. People were like crazy, just healed and delivered. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to talk today about, you know, keeping us full of God. 
You see, God designed us to stay full. And, and I used to, um, back in the probably the early 80s, you know, I seem like I'm 100 years old when I tell these stories. Somebody add it all up, right? But, but I'm young. <laughs> um, in the early 80s, I used to travel with this ministry. And we, you know, for whatever reason, God used us in deliverance quite a bit. And, you know, we had some wild things happen. And I remember a young girl one time turned an unearthly color of blue and screamed like you wouldn't believe and got delivered of a demon. But as a ministry, you know, we'd, we'd talk and, you know, and what we realized is this, is that people needed deliverance. But just as importantly, people needed to know how to stay free. It used to be my job. I'd take them backstage, back, well, back from the church, in the pastor's office, whatever, and would, would give them direction, would give them a path to walk on. Now, you know, people get delivered here all the time just because they don't turn blue and scream. That doesn't mean they don't get delivered. I, I, I hear testimonies of people's lives that, that are getting changed. Occasionally we have some like that, but, but don't judge it. Don't judge it by not seeing some demonstration like that. God doesn't have to have that happen for people to get free. And as a matter of fact, I've seen people have wild manifestations and stay bound. And I've seen people have, to the, to the casual observer, seemingly no manifestation at all and get free. And I'll tell you what, no matter how you're ministered to, no matter what happens, it's the path you take afterwards that's going to keep you on the place that God wants you. It's okay to say those things? <laughs> anyway, I could tell you a number of stories right now, and there's a few flooding through my head, but I'm going to just keep moving here. John 10.10. 10. Hey, I lived in Haiti. We had three witch doctors for neighbors. One of them got born again. His name was George. His name was George. Then uh, one of our students, Pastor, I like to talk about Pastor Million. He was my chief interpreter. Someone asked him, who was it? Were you there, Jamie, when, when someone asked him, how'd you learn English, Pastor Million? And he pointed to me. I said, oh, no. <laughs> but he came to school, and he came to learn the Bible, but he learned English in the, in the midst, and he became my chief interpreter. And now he, then we had a big crusade in this town called Leogan, which was basically a town that was known for voodoo and uh, witch doctors everywhere. I remember knocking on, we'll get to this. I remember knocking on someone's door because I took all our students out one time to go door to door, or we could say we went hut to hut, you know? It made more sense. And we just told them about Jesus. And, and uh, I wanted them to have experience about just how to witness to people. I remember going to this one house and knocking on the door and uh, whatever it was and coming in. And this woman, was she was very receptive. And we told her about Jesus. And she was like, wow. And she looked at us and she says, I didn't know there was anything but the witch doctor. And we brought in this guy named Mike Francine. He was a protege of T.L. Osborne. And we had a crusade that went for a whole week in this t the city, the, the town square. And I'm telling you, in a town like that, when you do something like that, everybody comes. 
There is nothing else going on. Most of them don't have electricity. And here we are rocking with generators and, and you know, worshiping God, and, you know, as dynamic. And the whole town would come out. And from that, we started a church. I actually have a point to this I was going for. But, um, and we put Pastor Million in there as the pastor. And, you know, he's still there today. He's still there. He has a church of over 1,000 people. He has, a, he has a school that's K through 12 that's over 1,000 kids. Lost everything in the earthquake back in whatever year that was. And they, they continued to go under a circus tent. They totally rebuilt the church. In my opinion, it's one of the more beautiful churches in Haiti. All like marble. Not, it isn't marble, but it looks like that on the floor. And just everything was just first class. Anyway, when I was visiting him, were you with that time, Jamie, when we were up there and he was telling us about the witch doctor? I can't remember. I know you were there every time we went the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. There's a voodoo temple down, down within eyeshot of his balcony at the church. And he says, you see that temple down there? He says, they've had three witch doctors we've gotten saved, and they keep sending in new ones, and we get them born again when they come. <laughs> then he says, should we go visit them? I said, sure, let's go visit them. Went and checked them out. You know, you can tell voodoo temples because they have a certain coloring, you know, flags and things that they have up and whatever. You don't need to know all that. But anyway, it was, it was um, yeah. So anyway, Jesus is Lord, huh? God's moving in the earth. You know, you look in the news and you see just all this, this sad stuff and, you know, and, and that's really biblical too. I mean, you know, Jesus said it was going to get wild towards the end and I'd say we're, we're closer to the end than I've ever been. And, and uh, how's that for naming a date? But anyway, <laughs> don't be alarmed. And you know what? You're meant to be strong in this day. And if you don't feel strong today, don't get condemned. I'm telling you how to be strong. I'm telling you how to be strong. We're lights in this world. We've got the good news. Tell you what, Friday night, come on out to the band show. We're taking church outside of the walls. We're bringing it to the community. I believe there's a buzz in town right now. Something's going on at Wilson Park Friday night. And I tell you what, there is something going on. We're going to be there. Jesus is there deliverance is happening, healing's happening. People, I believe people are going to be born again. I know people are going to be baptized in water. It's going to be good. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. John 10.10. 10. Did you guys turn there? I didn't hear any pages turning, but anyway. John 10.10. 10. It says, uh, Jesus said these words. I love, this is one of my favorite Jesus verses. Okay, one of them for sure. It's one I've gone to over the years, and it's just such meat. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. See, that tells you in the things in this world that are going on, it tells you what the devil's doing. He's stealing, he's killing, and destroying. Don't credit God with the devil's work, Okay. Jesus goes on. I mean, don't you love how Jesus is? He just, just one little line. 
and he, 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 he gives you theology, he gives you world perspective, he gives you hope, gives you life. The next thing he says is, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, the word that he uses there is this, for life is this word called zoe. Anybody heard of zoe? Zoe life. Zoe life, it was a, it was a life that uh, the world didn't know at that time. You know, it hadn't seen Zoe life since Adam back in Genesis chapter 3 when, when uh, you know, Adam lost the Zoe life that humanity had. Jesus came. He was a man walking this world that the world hadn't seen since Adam. You know, he was God. I know that. He was 100% God. But the world hadn't seen a man like Jesus since Adam, you know, sinned in, in Genesis chapter 3. And Jesus was walking the this earth showing the world what a man with zoe is like. Isn't that something? I believe this, if we'd ever recognize the quality of life that we have in us, it would so change us. It would change our manner of life. We wouldn't live on a level that, that is less than what God intends. I'm still learning. I'm still seeing what God has done for me. But I love this part here. It says at the end, it says that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So I believe that God's desire with us is that we be people that overflow. Overflow with life. Jesus didn't just say, I came to give you life. He said, I came to give you life and have it overflowing in you. Overflowing in you. You know, I, 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 think, uh, I think I wasn't overflowing the last couple weeks. And, and, and that's why God maybe spoke to me, okay? Because I want to I live the life that God intends for me. I want to live this life with a passion. I want to live this life with God overflowing in me. Overflowing, overflowing. Are you guys overflowing today? I tell you, people, sometimes people in the world overflow with, with the kind of stuff that, that, you know, shouldn't be happening. But as Christians, we ought to be overflowing with life. And by that, I don't mean that we go and hit everybody over the head with a Bible unless God shows you that. Don't do it, okay? But I believe it's like this, that, that when you walk into a room, you bring God with you. I believe that when, when you go into, you know, a marketplace, that God is walking in there. Things are different. When you go into the co-op, right, our neighbors, whatever direction, I always get confused in a building. Wherever it is, it's about a block away. I, bring, I believe the atmosphere changes. Now, that isn't something you go around, ha, ha, look at me. No, it's just something you get confident in. You get confident in. You change things. When you walk into Love Church, you bring a supply. Do you know that? You guys do. You bring a supply. It is so much more fun worshiping God here than it is in my living room. And Dana and I have a great supply, and we enjoy it. But it's a whole new level when we all come together. It's a whole new level. I need you, and you need me. Even. I'm going to read a couple of versions. There's many of this one too I could read, but the Williams says, I've come for people to have life and have it till it overflows. G.W. Wade version says, I, on the contrary, have come that they may have life and 
have it in its fullest measure, fullest measure. I love that about God. He's not holding things back from you. Do you know that? He's not trying to keep things from you. I'm talking about the good things, the good things of heaven. He's not trying to keep them from you. He's trying to get them to you in the fullest measure. Can you say fullest measure? I tell you, that, that sets my sights higher today. Man, he came to give me life and have it in the fullest measure. Yeah. The Weist Bible says, I, came, uh, I alone came in order that they might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in super abundance. Super abundance. That's how God designed it. That's how he, he intends us to walk, is with this, this heaven materiality, this life that Jesus came to bring, and have it in superabundance. So, let me read a more. First John chapter 1, it says this, talking about the life. It says in verse 2, it says, The life was manifested, and we've seen it, and we bear witness. This is John writing. He said, we've, he didn't say we saw Jesus he said, we saw the life manifested, and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. Why is that? Because John walked around with Jesus. And what he saw when he walked Jesus in the ministry, you know, that he, he had, is that Jesus demonstrated heaven life to people on this earth. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, it says this. It says, and this is the testimony, again, John writing, that God gave, has given us eternal life. Now, the word eternal life here is the same word. It means zoe, you know. And, and I, I, heard, I read one commentator say this uh, years ago. I read this. It said the word eternal there is not necessarily drawing attention to the uh, duration of life. It's talking about the quality of life. And when they use this word eternal in translating it, you know, calling it eternal life, what they were really trying to draw your attention to is they called God the eternal one. And so really you could say like this, hey, I saw this, this stuff manifested. It was like, it was God life. It was God life, you know? And that's what they meant when they said eternal life. Um, so John said, God has given us eternal life, God life, and this life is in his son. In 12, man, hold on to your seats. It says, he who has the son has this same God life. Do you hear that, Jackie? You got God life in you. You got the same life in you that Jesus came and demonstrated to the world, and you got Jesus, so you got God life in you. And he who doesn't have the son doesn't have that life. I can testify to that. Man, I was a stranger to it. You know, back in 1977, the early part of that year and before that, I didn't know about God life. My goodness, I was afraid to go to church. Made me nervous to go to church. I thought, my goodness, I don't want to get too close to that stuff. That's how I thought. That's how I thought. I'm just being honest with you. Then I found out what God was like, and I was like, wow. Couldn't keep me away. Man, I was going, I was going more than once a week. I was going every time it was open. I wanted more, more. Anybody want more? I want more. I want all that he has. I want to be more on fire for God than I was for the devil. I don't know why I like this translation. It's the Fenton translation. It says, this is the evidence that God has given us eternal life and the same life that exists in the Son. The possessor of the Son possesses that life. Just say that with me. Say, I've got God life. So let me give you a quick theology here. Romans 5.19. 
This is simple. Paul gave it to us here in Romans chapter 5. He, he, it's funny, in Romans chapter 5, the, going on from verse 12 on to the end of the chapter, he says basically the same thing in every verse, but he just says it a little differently every time. But he's trying to get this message across. So over and over through Romans 5 from verse 12, I think there's 21 or so verses in the chapter, he just says the same message like over and over and over again. And here's what I picked out verse 19. He says, for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Anybody know what that means? It was in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is an amazing chapter. And, and you'll find this, that, that um, in Genesis chapter 3, this man who had God life, he did something, you know, and, and he disobeyed God. And not only did he lose life, but it affected everybody that was born in the planet. Okay? Now, get, let me just stop for a minute. And I, I won't go into a lot of scripture here, and I could, but, but when a baby's born, they're lit. You hear me? What happens? What do you mean lit? lit? What do you mean they're lit? I mean, a baby, if a baby were to die, tragically, they don't go to hell. They go to heaven, okay? They go to heaven. People grow to an age of what we call accountability, okay? And in some situations, I don't know if people ever even reach that age, you know, because of certain handicaps or things. But many people, depending on their exposure, I mean, I see kids in this church, two or three, they, have, they, they, they ask Jesus in their heart. Pastor Stephen prayed with True, and oh, is he two? I don't know just prayed and asked Jesus. I got to pray with my granddaughter, Eleanor. You know, it's funny when she was little, like little, by little I mean like one and two. Um, she would ask her if she wanted to pray and ask Jesus in her heart. She would just, just say, no, no. <laughs> and we wouldn't show anything. We'd walk away and go, it's kind of what Kara did to me. I've told you the Kara story. I used to, I, I, my job, you know, I worked in the day and I'd put the kids to bed at night and I'd, Kara got to a certain age you know, whatever it was, I think it was around two. And I'd ask her while we're going, putting her to bed, I'd say, do you want to pray and ask Jesus in your life? And she'd just real matter-of-factly look at me and say, no, you know, no. She's very stubborn. She's, she's like someone in the family, like, anyway. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I'd come out of the, I'd just be like, I'd act real cool. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I get it. And then I'd walk away, and I'd come to Dana. I'd go, Dana, my little girl doesn't want to ask Jesus in her heart. What do I do? You know? And we'd pray about it. And, oh my goodness. And, you know, was, I don't know how long that went on. Kara, do you remember? And anyway, weeks. She probably don't remember. She were two. But anyway, <laughs> finally, after repeated failures, I finally said, well, why don't you want to ask him in your heart, Kara? You'd think I'd ask that right away. But, but she looked at me, and she says, because I already did. And I said, oh. Oh, okay. Dana, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Eleanor, too, my granddaughter, she just wouldn't. And then, then one day, I don't know what, the light went on, and she called me up long distance from Portland and said, they call me Pops. That's what the grandkids call me. They call me Pops. And uh, she said, Pops, will you pray with me? She's, she's like a little adult when she was two, but now she's three. and She's four now, but uh, back then she was three when she called me on this, and she, she wanted me to pray with her. Kids get born again at young ages sometimes, especially if they're around, 
you know, godly things, okay? Not everybody comes to that age at two or three, okay? Sometimes because they just don't have that exposure, they get to be older before they make that decision. Boy, I'm going on all, you guys are just pulling me in different directions today. Anyway, Jesus is Lord. So if by, <laughs> if by one, you know, I may not get through my notes. Oh, that'd be just so terrible. I just, oh, no, anyway, kidding. <laughs> we do prepare in the church. You know, we have meetings. We talk about what we're going to be doing. We pray. We pray about series when we do series, you know. And, and uh, we, we, we try to come in with a plan. But you know what our plan is always? If God shows us, we throw the plan out. We want his plan more than our plan, okay? Can I tell you this? It's going to always be that way, too. It's always going to be that way. She's talking about voodoo doctors and kids getting saved. And, oh, Paul. <laughs> so Paul said this again, the gospel in a nutshell, one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You know who that man was? That's Jesus. God did this thing. It was like a one for all thing. Adam, Adam did his thing and it, it had its effect. In one of the renditions that Paul, I think it's in verse 15. I didn't put that one in there. But when, when Paul says it in verse 15, again, he just says the same thing over and over again, just changing the kind of the words a little bit. But in 15, he says, what God did in Christ is more than a match for what the devil did through Adam. I love that one. Could have put that one in there today, but I, I switched it up. The basic message is the same. Devil did a work through one man, caused sin to come over the whole human race. God did a work through one man, Jesus, and brought life, brought God life for every person. Now, every person isn't necessarily going to heaven. You have to choose. You have to choose. Everybody isn't automatically saved. You have to choose. The message will come to every person in some way, somehow. Someone, I remember when I used to work at a certain ministry that was well known, and I used to hire a lot of people from, from the college, from the university in town, and they're Christians, but they're going to the university, and they're just hearing all kinds of different philosophies and stuff, and they'd come in. And they would, I remember the famous one is, well, what about, you know, forgive me, I don't know if this is politically correct, but who cares? They'd say, well, what about the pygmies? Who's, who's going to hold, you know, who's bringing the gospel? And I, I just, right away, I just said to the person to ask me this thing, I said, well, you know, there was a man named Cornelius once who was a devout man. He, he, he loved God, but he didn't know anything about it. And God sent an angel to him. And then by supernatural occurrences, he had a, Peter have a vision. And he brought Peter to this man, brought the gospel to him. He preached to him and his whole house, and they all got saved. So, I mean, God can see someone at any part of the world and do what he has to do. He can move heaven and earth. He can send an angel if he has to. He, he's got you covered. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so there's two families in the world. There's God's family and Adam's family. They make movies about that. So you get to choose which family you're in. What? Anyway. 
So Jesus said, I came to give you life and have, have it overflowing in you, have you full. God's idea is for you and I to be full, to be full, to be full. God's idea of full, let me give you a few verses. I'll go through them fairly quickly. Luke 6, 38 says, given it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be, uh, will be put into your bosom with the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. It's a good offering scripture, but it's a good life scripture. This is the character of God. God wants you so full that you overflow. Good measure, measure pressed down, shaken together. I remember one time Pastor Stephen brought in a bag of dog food. Isn't it a disappointing day today as a consumer to open up a package of things and find that 30% uh, of your bag is air? But anyway, and, and, but he took it and shook it down, you know, and, and showed how you got to keep filling and filling to have it overflow. And that's how God is with us. Again, Jesus said in John 10, 10, uh, I came to give you life and have it till it overflows. Have it more abundantly. Psalm 23. Everyone knows this psalm. It's a tremendous psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We could confess that. We could speak that. Why don't we just say that part? Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a thing to say in the world we live. I love that. That's the Bible. That's for you today. Jesus is your shepherd. He's not the German shepherd or the Australian shepherd. He's the great shepherd. The great shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Did you hear that? For you're with me. For you're with me. I was reading about Joseph this week in Genesis. And just, I think it was Genesis 39. And I've read that many times. But Dana and I were reading it in the kitchen. And man, it just struck me. That every, every evil place, so to speak, that Joseph got thrown, and the one I'm thinking of is he got thrown into prison. And it wasn't, you know, he didn't do anything. Got thrown into prison. But what's, like in this chapter, I think it's chapter 39, over and over again, it says everywhere Joseph went, God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. Even in a prison. Even though he didn't deserve it. Some people would have grumbled and complained and said, oh, this is what you get for following Jesus. Man, don't quit. Don't quit. Whatever kind of place you're in right now, I'm telling you what, there's better days ahead as you follow Jesus. So, um, where was I? Yeah. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil for you're with me. Say, he's with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is barely up to the top, but it, got, it almost got there. No, I tell you, God is, God is just not concerned about neat freaks, you know. He doesn't just fill, fill it, you know. Through, there's usually like sometimes you go to a, a, a place and they'll have a line on the cup, like in a blender. Don't fill it over this line. God doesn't care about that stuff. He fills it to the line, keeps on going over the line, boom, boom, boom. He keeps filling it until it overflows, makes a mess everywhere. He isn't even concerned about that. He fills your life till you're overflowing. 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 Say overflow. overflow. Paul said in Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled, filled, filled with all the fullness of God. 
Ha, ha, ha. I'm talking about two different things. I'll do my best. If I don't get done, we'll finish it some other time. But two things that we need to always do to stay full, to stay overflowing. You could say just stay close to him, and I agree with that. Ephesians 5, though, I'm going to read this. He's talking to husbands loving your wife. He says, husbands, that's what he says in verse 25, husbands love your wife. That's a good message right there. Just as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. This is talk, he's, he's, he's drawing the comparison between a marriage between a man and a woman and the church, the body of Christ in Jesus, okay? The bride of Christ in Jesus. And it says this, that Jesus sanctifies and cleanses the body with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. Isn't that something? It's a different perspective to look at spending time in the Bible, in the word of God. It's like a washing. It's like a cleansing. You guys ever wash your hands? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's a dumb question, huh? <laughs> Dana's always telling me, Paul, wash your hands. Sing birthday. Birthday. Which birthday song do you want me to sing? Anyway, sing the birthday song while you're washing your hands, you know. Anyway. You need times in the Word. It's not selfish to spend time in the Word. It's needful. Do you know what? I, I, I ate a good lunch yesterday. We had tacos. It's that time of the morning I could make you hungry now. But we had tacos, and, and man, I got done eating, and I said, Dana, I'm so full. I may never eat again. But you know what? I'm going to eat again today. <laughs> I am. Your body is designed in such a way that it needs to replenish. It needs to eat food, not just once. As a matter of fact, you know, I've had tacos before. I've had tacos on Tuesday. I've had tacos from John's and, 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 and the other one, too. Um, and I'll eat them again. I like Chipotle. I like those, you know? You need, you need the word. You need to have your, your life washed. You need, you know, it, it washes my brain. This world clutters my brain. It gets all kinds of, you know, fear and anxiety tries to come in. But I tell you what, the word washes that away. You know? It was, it's a strength, you know. I can speak to this coming off addictions. You know, the big, probably one of the biggest things in my life that, that kept me free in the early days and still keeps me free today was just spending regular time in the, in the Bible. I meant somebody set me on this course, and, you know, you could read more if you wanted, but I was reading 10 chapters every day. And I did that for the first couple years of my Christian life. Every day, it was like, I was, I was actually religious about it, but I didn't know I was being religious, you know? And again, it's not a bad thing to do, but I was just like, it almost got to this point where, if I don't read 10 chapters, but I tell you, it was just a lifesaver for me. It kept me free. That word just washing over my mind, that word just, just going into all the places it needed to go in my life, it made me free, it made me free. It, it filled up the void that was there. 1 Corinthians 3, it says, And I, brethren, verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as the carnal, as the babes in Christ, speaking to the Corinthian church. 
said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you're not able to receive it. For even now, you're still not able. For you're carnal. You're still carnal. Carnal means you're flesh ruled. Okay, these people were still not ruled from the inside out. They were being ruled. And believe me, sometimes I'm not ruled from the inside out. Sometimes I blow it. But my goal and my, my, my thing is I'm, I want to be ruled from the inside out. I want the life to be overflown in me. I'm not trying to come across like, oh, I'm perfect. I, I'm always overflowing. I told you right in the beginning. The reason I'm probably preaching this because I wasn't doing it. And I think God brought it up to me and said, Paul, hey, he'll do that. He'll show you things. So uh, for you're still carnal. I wonder how many tapes he sold at that meeting. Anyway. For there, there's envy and strife and division among you. These are carnal things. These are fleshly things. Envy, strife, divisions. Are you not carnal and behaving like, like mere men? That has always just struck me. Paul said, you're behaving like mere men. Do you know what, folks? You're not mere men and women. You're new creatures in Christ Jesus. You're something this world hadn't seen before. You're something that, that this world needs. You're not a mere human being. You're full of God. You got God life in you. Paul says, don't behave like mere men. Rise up. Then he goes on. He says, and one says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos. He says, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through, through whom you believe, for the Lord, uh, as the Lord gave to each one? You know, People are different, and it's not wrong to have people that you gravitate to, towards, you know, as far as speaking. I have my favorite speakers, you know. I, I, I often still turn on Brother Hagen on TV, or I, I like, there's a numerous preachers today that I listen to, okay? But have the attitude, I can get, I can get what I need from anybody God's using. You know, Pastor Stephen and me, we're a couple two sides of the coins guys. We are different. We're very different. But you know what? God uses both of us. And I don't care if you have a favorite of Pastor Stephen. But don't turn me off. And don't, don't turn him off. Don't turn him off. Because God's using him. Oh, I don't know. He's got long hair. I used to too. I used to have long hair. I used to have hair. <laughs> don't have hair envy <laughs> um, God's speaking through him do you hear me I've known him I've been up close for many years I saw he put something on Facebook the other day 14 years ago Dan and I sent him I don't even know whose birthday we were celebrating when I listened to that thing but we sent him a video message on FaceTime. I think it was Dane and I just discovering we had cameras on our phones or something. And went, oh, let's send him a message. <laughs> Thank God for younger people. You know, we were so far ahead before COVID in, in way of uh, Facebook. You know, I used to go to the pastor's meeting in town and nobody was doing Facebook when we started doing it. Yeah, live streaming it. And, and when COVID hit, we had churches calling from around the state saying, how do we do what you're doing? Have young, you know, young people, don't shut them out. 
You were a young person then, Stephen. <laughs> You're still young. Anyway. I am. I got zip. Zippity doo I planted Apollos watered, but here, here, Paul's getting back to this whole thing. He says, but God's the one that gives increase. No matter who's been planting, no matter who's been watering, God's the one that gives you increase. Okay? And I'll, I'll, can I just say this about that scripture too? Paul and Apollos were totally different people. You know, you can read about it, but... But both of them preached the same message. They were preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first time someone hears the message, if I'm going by what Paul said here, the first time you hear a message, it's like the seed being planted. But then you hear that same message over again, it's being watered. It's being watered. You know what I found? I'm not a big farmer or anything like that. I, I, I've killed more plants than I could tell you. But whenever I've planted grass, you know what's always amazed me? You know how you do that? You know, you got spots in your yard that, you know, somehow in the spring you need to plant seeds again. What's always kind of blown my mind is how much watering seeds take. It takes way more than I think they need. It's like, I feel like I'm flooding them. No, no, give it more, 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 more. That's what causes it to grow. All right, you out there? James 1.21, we'll just go with this. says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. God's word has power in it. It can save your soul. I could stop here or I could go on. Anybody got a roast in the oven? All right, the other thing I want to hit on is spending time in his presence. You know, it's only for the fact, the, the matter of teaching that I even separate them because to me, spending time in his word is spending time in his presence. But there is such a thing as just hanging with God. There is such a thing, you know, I, I, sometimes I, use, I hesitate to use the word prayer because people have so many ideas of what prayer is. To me, prayer is, is, is hang, learning to hang with my father. To me, prayer is having a conversation with God about life, you know, about, about how things are, you know. Prayer, to me, is not speaking some eloquent words or, or poetic words, although there's nothing wrong with that. But prayer, to me, is just being real and talking to God, you know. And, and uh, spending time in his presence is something that you never outgrow. Spending time in his presence is something that you need to do regularly. Just like we talked about washing our hands, you know, uh, I was washing my hands before COVID. You know that? <laughs> you know, I, I remember at Rama. Rama's the school I went to, and Kenneth Hagen was the, when I went there, he was the teacher. He's gone to heaven now. But uh, Kenneth Hagen, if you don't know him, he's, he's very well known for his healing ministry. He's had, you know, many people healed. He's walked in, he walked in divine health for decades, you know, and I won't go into his whole story, but he was, you know, I looked at him as someone who knew a few things about healing. 
And one day in class, I'd always pay attention when he'd stop and, and there was a certain mode he'd get in where I knew he was going to drop something on me. And he said, he looked out at us and he says, you want a big divine healing secret? Well, who doesn't? Come on. I said, yeah. He says, after you preach, wash your hands. <laughs> Come on, you guys, didn't you write that down? He says, every time, like when I pastor to church or when I'm in a meeting, after I get done preaching, I go wash my hands. Well, that doesn't sound spiritual. No, but it works. I'll let that sit. <laughs> time in his presence. Luke 5, 16. NIV is what I'm reading. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. NAS says he himself often would slip away into the wilderness and pray. Jesus would do this. Why? He's filling his tank. He's staying in the overflow. Matthew 17 is an amazing story where he takes some of the disciples with him to one of his times of prayer. Jesus' times of prayer might be, not be exactly how your times of prayer are. I don't know. Maybe they are. But he took this day, uh, he took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face, sh his face shone like the sun, and his clothes began, came white as light. That's cool. I, I like to insert this right there, is what Jesus had on the inside was just shown on the outside. Okay? That's all that was happening here. And it says, and, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Peter answered and said, Jesus, Lord, it's, it's, it's good, uh, good for us to be here. And if you wish, let us uh, make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a, suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And when his disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, don't be afraid. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And they came down from the mountain, and Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. What I was going to say is this, is that you and I need times on the mountain. But Jesus didn't stay on the mountain, okay? He didn't stay on the mountain. This is what the Lord told me a couple nights ago, whenever it was. He just spoke to my heart, and he says this. When Jesus came down from the mountain, he took the mountain with him, okay? He took the mountain with him. He didn't just stay on the mountain all the time, but he'd spend times on the mountain. He'd spend times in that glory place, and then he'd come down from the mountain, and he'd bring that, that heaven life, to the people that weren't on the mountain. Matthew, continuing to read here in Matthew 7, uh, it says, and when they had come to the multi, and when they'd come, this is a whole story that kind of goes along the same timeline. It says, when they were, had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling and saying to him, Lord, have mercy on us, for my son is uh, epileptic and suffers severely, and he falls, often falls in the fire and often into the water. This is a real problem. He said, so I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cure him. Jesus answered and said, O faithless, perverse generation, how long have I been, shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. The reason that I read that is because this is what happened when Jesus came down from the mountain. You see, you get equipped on the mountain. You get full on the mountain. You come into the overflow stage where you come and you bring the mountain to people. 
people that weren't even there. Paul said this in Ephesians 5. He says, see then uh, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So what Paul says is don't be controlled by anything or anyone else. Don't be controlled by wine. Don't be controlled by TV. Don't be controlled by your cell phone, by social media, by food. Get your tank filled. Be filled every day. The word here says to be filled. It, it has in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know how to read, you know, after Greek scholars. And the word here has a continual sense. It doesn't say just come be filled once. It means be filled. Be. They say the way to say it would be to be being filled. To be being filled. In other words, God wants you continually filled. Why do you have to be being filled? Because as Christians, as human beings, we tend to leak. Okay? And because we leak, Jesus said, or God says to us, he says, come and be being filled. Get filled up again. Get till you're overflowing from the top. This is the Message Bible. It says, don't drink too much wine that cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge draughts of Him. Huh. Can you do that? Apparently so. Then he says this, sing hymns instead of drinking songs. This is the Message Bible, in case you didn't catch that. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you something I've learned as I'm going through a, a journey of, of a challenge is I, 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 I purpose to celebrate every victory. Even if I haven't seen the completion of what I'm believing for, I celebrate the little victories along the way. Look for any excuse to sing a song of praise to God. We're almost done. John 7, Jesus said this. I can't leave this one out. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out and said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, drink, drink of him. It says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not been yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What am I telling you? You've got a river on the inside of you. A river is a moving force. It's a move, moving body of water. There's something on the inside of your belly that's moving and is, wants to overflow in your life and just get people wet all around you. That's a God thing. It's a God thing. It's a mandate from heaven. Be filled. Be filled. Be overflowing. Affect the world you're living in. I just threw this one in. I'm going to read it out of the Jordan translation. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It says, Keep on walking in Christ Jesus the Lord. Just as when you first received him, Sink your roots in him, bet your life on him, plant your feet firmly in the faith as you were taught it. And I like this, 
bubble, bubble over with joyful thanks. Bubble over with joyful thanks. Lord, I thank you for the bubbling over. Thank you for the overflow. Thank you for the filling. Thank you that we can be filled and stay filled, continually be filled with your presence, with your power, with your life. Thank you that we're a bunch of world changers in this place and people watching us online, a bunch of world changers because of the world's, our world's been changed. We got Jesus living in us. We got his life living in us. Help us to walk in a constant awareness of who you've made us to be. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. However you tuned in today, why don't you subscribe and maybe share with a friend. Yeah, and if you're in the area, we would love to have you join us in person Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here in Menominee, Wisconsin. Also, we would be honored if you would consider partnering with us financially to help make this all possible. And you can do that at wearelovechurch.com. These are great days to be alive. Thanks for tuning in today. God bless you. We love you. See ya.